Bonchik's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bonchik is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Hi, I'm attorney Bill Bronchick, and in this lesson, I'd like to discuss the viability of a condominium as a real estate investment. Now, first, let's define what a condominium is and is not. A condominium is the ownership of the space in a general unit, a building, along with certain rights that come with that, such as common area access, access to amenities, and so forth. This is not the same thing as, say, a duplex where they're split up into lot one and lot two. Those are not uh, condominiums. Townhomes are generally condominiums. They just look different. So a condominium generally style, you have neighbors to the side, neighbors up or down. A townhome style, you have no neighbors except left and right uh, next to you, nothing up or down. But in most cases, both are condominiums. Now, in order to have a condominium development, there must be a filing of an entity called the uh, uh, the homeowners association itself, and then uh, the developer who usually puts it together sells units, which gets you certain rights and certain responsibilities. The first thing you should know is that by taking title to a condominium, you are agreeing implicitly as the owner to be expressly liable for all the rules and regulations of the condo. That means you should almost never take title in your own name. I'll give you an example. I had a client who bought a condo in his name. He had bought it from another seller and uh, he didn't get a bank loan, he bought it cash and it was pretty cheap. And then the investment kind of went bad and it wasn't worth much. so. He just walked away from it. But what he didn't realize was he had agreed to be liable for the dues and assessments. And the HOA sued him for months and months and months and months of back payments, costs, uh, late fees, attorney's fees, etc. So consider if you're going to take title, the first thing is in an entity or in something like a land trust. Now, the, I mentioned HOA, that's the Homeowners Association, who's in charge of running the project and enforcing the rules. Sometimes an HOA is run by people who live there. Many times on bigger ones, they are farming out most of that responsibility to an off-site property management company. Either way, you want to get familiar with the HOA rules and, and you have to get a copy of what's called the declarations. And that's recorded in public record with the deeds. So you got to get a copy of the decks and look at what the rules are about what you can and can't do. There's also going to be some house rules or bylaws that change from time to time and a lot of which may not be recorded so you'll have to get that from the homeowners association and see what it what it says you can and can't do. For example, what if it says you can't rent it to somebody else, only a homeowner can live there? Well, that's not good. What if it says that uh, you can only rent uh, month to month or you can live in there for two years, then you can rent it out. So you have to know what the rules are. Or no dogs or no pets or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or no commercial use if you decide that you were gonna run a small business out of the unit. You gotta read this stuff and make sure that you're okay with these rules and regulations and understand that in the future, they could change. Now, 
Along with the homeowners association usually comes a monthly dues. And monthly dues are going to cover the cost of running the association, maintaining the common areas, the outside, uh, landscaping, parking areas, etc. Uh, a condo may or may not come with a parking space. It may be general parking or it may be specific parking uh, related to that particular unit and the only way to tell that is to look at the existing ownership deed. It'll say on it rights to parking space number 22. Okay, If it doesn't say that then generally you're stuck in the general parking and that can really affect uh, what you can do, particularly renting it because if it says um, uh, there's a limitation on how many cars and you've got a four bedroom condo, um, that could be three or four cars. So again, read the, the uh, rules, the declarations, etc. Uh, along with the homeowners association, you're going to have potentially meetings, annual or quarterly meetings. Now, you don't have to go to those. You can volunteer. You can go to those, and you can even volunteer to be on the board of directors of the homeowners association, which I would not recommend. <laughs> it's worse than government, but. Just do be aware of what's going on. If you get uh, a notice of a meeting, you might want to attend one or two just to see what's going on, or at least read the minutes of the meeting that were taken at the meeting after the meeting so you have an idea. In addition, you may get an annual or quarterly financial report. You want to check and make sure that the homeowners association is solvent. So if you're thinking of buying an HOA, you want to get some minutes of the last few meetings and some financials over the, at least the last year to see how much they have in reserve, what's their monthly nut, are they potentially going to raise dues soon if they're not doing well, or have they decided they're going to they're going to add on some amenities or or refurbish the building and then charge each homeowner several thousand dollars as an assessment? So you want to know these things going forward. So you want to get a, get all the rules and regulations. Second, we want to look at, related to that, is the merchantability of the condo. So, I'll write that word down. It's a $50 legal word. Merchantability. So it's merchant, A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Merchantability, what does that mean? That means, is it, is it a unit that will qualify for financing, like your typical Fannie, Freddie, FHA financing. Now, um, you can go to HUD.gov, H-U-D, HUD.gov, and look up the association by name to see if it's at least HUD qualified. That means it'll qualify for an FHA loan, and it'll tell you whether it is or isn't. Uh, I'm not familiar with a place you can look up Fannie or Freddie similarly, but you have to look mainly at what is the relationship between owner-occupied and non-owner-occupied, i.e. rental units in the development. Um, so if you know, more than half are renters and not owner-occupied, you can pretty much be sure that financing is going to be pretty difficult to get for that. Does that mean you should never buy one? No, 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 no. If you can buy something that is, you know, 30 cents on the dollar cash and just rent it out because no one can get a loan on it. You just have to understand that the only way you're going to sell this is cash or owner financing. And with that regard, if the property is not merchantable for a loan, you can negotiate with the seller to buy it with owner financing terms, etc. So don't automatically rule out uh, a unit that is not merchantable. Just understand you have limits on what you can do with it in terms of financing. Then we have to look at, obviously, the big one, location, location, location. Um, 
a condominium or townhome, you know, could be nice, it could be not so nice, it could be old, which means it needs a lot of repair, but really it's location. If it's on the beach, if it's downtown in the hot, hot, you know, hot hip area, it's generally going to hold its value better than something that might be in the suburbs. And also depends on what class it is. Is it A, nice, B, little older but pretty nice, C, kind of rundownish and needs repair and a little bit of, uh, of uh, gang or crime or such activity in the development. And those are generally not merchantable uh, also, by the way. So um, you have to also look at the income that the unit will produce versus the cost to run it. Now, in terms of income, you should get a little more than an equivalent apartment. So if you look around and, and look at an apartment, what, what that would uh, uh, rent for, you can probably compare yours by bedrooms and baths and location and get a general idea. Um, if you're comparing apples to apples, that is a B apartment with a B uh, condominium, it's pretty close in terms of what they'll rent for unless the condominium has uh, more amenities than the rental apartment does and so forth. And also, if it's mostly owner-occupied, and you're just one of, and then just your unit's going to be one of the few that rents. You might get a little more rent because the potential renter would like to live there versus in an apartment building where everybody is a renter. Just a better quality of uh, resident that exists in that condominium development. Um, you have to look at the cost. Now you've got your mortgage payment, you've got taxes, but you don't have to pay for utilities. That's included in your monthly HOA generally. Uh, so the HOA is going to cover water usually, um, it's going to cover uh, uh, trash service, sewer, etc. So you're not going to have those costs necessarily and you're not going to have the expense of fixing up the exterior or a lawn or a parking lot or a driveway, etc. But that does go with your HOA dues that potentially could be raised in the future. So when you think about it, I mean how much damage can a tenant or tenants do to a two-bedroom, 800-square-foot condo that you couldn't fix in three or four days? Now, that's the good part, very little maintenance. But the bad part is, is that you have no control over the exterior and the way things are run, so you could get outvoted and uh, people could vote for uh, over-fixing up the unit um, that you'll be assessed for and you won't necessarily get any more rent for. Uh, so that, that's, the, that's the lack of control is the downside and also rules and regulations apply to your tenants. If your tenants bring in a dog and, or they, they're out of line and they're making noise or they're parking where they don't supposed to, those things can end up in fines against you, the homeowner. Make sure your lease with the tenant says they're responsible for those violations so you can charge it back to them. Okay, and finally, uh, amenities. Uh, what amenities does this condominium or townhome have? Uh, now, amenities usually don't inure to your benefit as a landlord. Uh, a pool, yeah, maybe if it's in a really hot area like Phoenix, I guess that's a necessity. Um, and if there's tennis courts, eh, most people don't play tennis, at least not my tennis. So I don't know if that really does anything for you, or or uh, you know, a game room or a laundry room. Um, you know, if it's a nice enough condo, you might have laundry facilities inside the condo, but just kind of take a look at what you're paying for HOA versus what you're getting. That's the bottom line. So if you're paying for things that you don't think is going to inure to your benefit as a landlord, for example, I have a 
townhome and the development has a lot of trees, old trees, and it's an older development built in the 70s. And there's just a lot of maintenance and the HOA dues are pretty darn high to maintain that stuff. So something you have to keep in mind. And most of all, use your head. Condominiums are not as easy to sell than single families, not as easy to sell. So in the market, when the market starts to tank, condos will go first before homes, and then they'll come back at the upward slant of the market last behind single family homes. So they're more of a volatile investment than single family homes because more people would rather live in a home than live in a condo. You know, the exceptions, exceptions, of course, to that. But generally speaking, unless you're in a resort area, people would rather have homes. And finally, let's talk about a resort area condominium. A lot of people may want to get or tempted to get a, a beach condo or a ski condo or something like that. And I can tell you from experience and crunching the numbers that it is rarely worth it. In some areas, like a beach condo uh, or a ski condo, you, you can always uh, rent it year-round and, and at least break even and in some areas even get positive cash flow and get a few weekends for yourself. But if you consider the headache of that, if you're not using a management company, and management companies charge upwards of 40%, um, if you use websites like uh, uh, For Rent by Owner, uh, uh, Vacation Rental by Owner, VRBO, um, you can avoid that 40%, but then you're responsible for booking it, and then in the city or county there might be sales tax you have to collect and pay and follow returns, and then maybe send someone in to clean it after the weekend. So, I mean, can you imagine going through that a hundred times a year? That's just a major hassle. Well, the other side of the coin is maybe you rent it sometimes and use it half the time. You will find out that those numbers don't add up. It is cheaper to rent from somebody else a couple of three, four, five weekends a year in the vacation area than to own something that you rent out part of the time. Just not worth it. The only time in an, an investment may be worthwhile in a vacation condo is if you get in and out at the right time. And that's hard to do. It's hard to, you know, there's no crystal ball that says this is the beginning and this is the end of the market. But if you catch it at the beginning of what you think may be a really big development boom in the area, then it may be worthwhile to just barely break even renting it out and then ride the market a couple of years. Other than that, they're generally not worth it. This is Bill Bronchick, and I hope you've enjoyed this discussion on condominiums and townhomes. Email me if you have any questions, bill at bronchick.com. Thank you for listening to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.